Hey, go ahead and grab a seat. It is uh, good to see you this morning. My name is Caleb. If, uh, if we have not met yet before, um, I want to tell you just before we jump into the sermon today, uh, Sarah Menson mentioned it in the announcements, but uh, we have a marriage class that is starting this week. There's only a few spots left. Uh, my wife and I will be teaching that at our house. Uh, we haven't taught a marriage class in uh, several years, so I would love for you to join us, or I would love three uh, couples of you uh, to join us uh, for that, but it's going to be great. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be games. There's going to be wine. There's going to be meat, cheese. It's going to be a blast. So um, if you are married or engaged, engaged or seriously dating or you want to propose to someone they don't know it yet, uh, invite or you want to bring a stranger and say, hey, who knows what could happen in a couple weeks, um, then I would encourage you to come. It'll be fun. Uh, and so RSVP today because uh, we need to find out how much uh, supplies and all that that we are getting and how many um, trips to Hawaii we're going to raffle off. So just let me know uh, if you're coming. So <laughs> that was a joke. Um, we are in a new series that we started last week called Stronger, and we're looking at the letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to a pastor named Timothy. And uh, with the whole kind of kind of premise of this series is really that all, all of us want to experience more in life. And some of that's just kind of in the air with the New Year's resolutions or New Year's habits or kind of just different things we, we start to reflect on of what we want to be different in our life. But, but whether it's New Year's or not, we all want our life to be stronger, our relationships to be stronger, our, our kind of work-life balance maybe to be stronger, our mental health or emotional well-being to be stronger, our faith to be stronger, whatever it is in your life that you are kind of thinking about or concerned about or want to focus on, we want our lives to be more than they are now, to be stronger than they are now. We have a hunger for that for life to be all that it can be, for us to experience all that we can in life. And, and so we often kind of consider around this time or ask the question, so how do, how do we do that? How do we, experience, how do we experience all that life can be? How do we experience even all that God would want for me to experience? How do we actually do that? Now, now generally, and I don't want to oversimplify, but, but generally there's kind of a couple different ways that we might approach that. Okay, so one big category, if you, if you start to think about your life, man, I want it to be more than it is now. I want it to be stronger or just kind of more fulfilling than it is now. Generally, there's a couple different ways that we approach that. One of them is this, okay? One of them is the approach of self-fulfillment, which is to say, man, I, what I need to really do is focus on myself and what does it mean to, to discover myself or be true to myself or, or follow my heart or look into the desires I have and really kind of focus on myself and then maybe I will be able to experience life more than it is now. And maybe you even said this to yourself as 2019 kind of rolled around. You said, man, this is the year I'm going to stop thinking about what other people think about me. I'm really going to focus on my plans and my dreams and my goals. And I'm, I'm, going to, I'm not going to let everyone at work push me around anymore. Or I'm not going to let uh, my family kind of push me around. I'm really going to focus on what does it look like to just be all that I can be and follow my dreams and my heart. So uh, the sociologist, Robert Robert Bella, in his kind of landmark book, Habits of the Heart, described, and this was several years ago that he wrote this, but he described kind of our culture, really in America, but in much of the Western world, he, he described it like this, kind of this approach. So here's what he says. He says, we believe in the dignity, talking, he's not saying this as like a creed, we believe, but he's saying this is kind of what America believes. We believe in the dignity, indeed the sacredness of the individual. Anything that would violate our right to think for ourselves, judge for ourselves, make our own decisions, live our lives as we see fit, is not only morally wrong, it is sacrilegious. Our highest and noblest aspirations, and maybe this is what they are for you in 2019 or, or what life might provide for you, our highest and noblest aspirations, not only for ourselves, but for those we care about, for our society and for the world, are closely linked to our individualism. So this is one of the ways that we say, how will I experience more in life? How can I uh, satiate the hunger that I have for life to be everything that it can be? One of the big answers to that question is, here's what it is, almost, almost religious, he says, is that we pursue our individuality. We pursue what can life be for me? 
Okay, so that's kind of one big category that maybe you think about when you think about how can life be more. Here, here's a second category that can be related, but if you're a Christian, and, and I, I know, I'm sure many of you here are kind of not sure what you believe, or maybe you, you are a Christian, you're not a Christian, you're checking things out. But if you're a Christian, oftentimes we say, Here, here's what the answer is. Here's how I can experience all that life can be, or uh, a life that is stronger than it is now, more than it is now. It's if I focus on my personal relationship with God, if I really focus on the personal relationship that I have with God, maybe then things will get better. Maybe then things will be different and stronger and life will be more than it is now. Now, maybe that's why you're even here today. Maybe you're here today to work on that. Maybe maybe it was a goal in 2019 to say, hey, I'm going to work on my relationship with God. I want to get closer to God. That's really maybe even what brought you here today. But here is what we're going to talk about today, and here's the reality. Neither of those is right. Neither of those will ultimately give you what it is that you have a hunger for. Neither pursuing self-fulfillment and your own kind of individuality and everything that that could bring will ultimately give you what it is that you want or a stronger life, or even focusing on your personal relationship with God. Neither of those things will actually give you the life that you hunger for. And I know life is broad, so I mean just the specifics of it, the relationships, the, the work life, the emotional life, the faith life. I mean, all, neither of those will actually give to you the stronger life that God actually intends for you. Now, here's what God's answer is. And you're not, you're not going to like this answer, okay? So before I give it to you, I'll just tell you. But here, here's what God's answer is. God's answer of what will give you the life that he actually desires for you to be stronger in every area. God's answer is the church. What God says will actually bring to you the deep, the deep satisfaction of hunger you have for more in life. God's answer is the church. Now, I know that, I know that we don't believe that, okay? So I'm going to start with this. I'm going to start with this framework. And look, I, I, I think that's true if, if you're a Christian or not a Christian. I, I don't think we really believe, yes, you know we're all experienced the most fulfillment in life, the church. I, I don't think we, we believe that, okay? Um, and, and I get that, and that's where I'm going to start. And here, here's kind of just the, here's the, the facts or the stats. Um, uh, this was um, a study done recently that says uh, many, Amer- why Americans go, it was talking about why Americans go and don't go to religious services, and says many cite practical or personal reasons rather than lack of belief for staying home. Meaning this, there's many people that, are, that would say, I'm a Christian, right? They mark the checkbox on the survey. They say, I am a Christian. And yet they say, I'm not a part of any sort of church. I don't, I don't need that. In fact, here, here's what this says. Among people that are self-identified Christians, the predominant reason, so the main reason that people, that, that, and look, 90% of our nation believes in God. That doesn't mean they all claim to be a Christian. About 75% of America claims to be Christian. But among those that are self-identified Christians, the predominant reason that non-churchgoers offer for not attending worship services is that they practice their faith in other ways. Upwards of 4 in 10, 44%, say this is a very important reason for not going to church more often. So there's a bunch of people that say, I'm a Christian. I want to work on my personal relationship with God. I want to, I want to have a stronger faith. And I don't go to church. And the reason I don't go to church is because I just I practice my faith in other ways. Now, I, that's a very common sentiment that many people have. Let, let's look at uh, this. This was an article in Huffington Post uh, a few years back. And this author says, why I choose to live my faith outside of organized religion. And I'm going to kind of quote at length from this author because I think he really articulates the heart of this in a very intelligent, respectful way that I, I think maybe would even resonate with many of the people here. here here's, what, here's what he says, okay? Why he, this person says, I'm a Christian, I don't like organized religion. Here's what he says. The very structure religion confines itself within, along with its immovable dogmas, is proof enough that it will always fail to lead anyone to the full reality of our boundless, cosmic-sized God. It's clear to me that God is bigger than any box a religion can set up to put him in. I believe he came, talking about Jesus, I believe he came to end empire thinking and bring each of us back to a personal, individual experience of God. So what does a personal relationship with God feel like? It feels personal, that's what. It's a relationship that you and God experience and understand. It's not a corporate relationship. 
Contrary to this is organized religion. Religion creates a corporate identity. When we buy into religion, we end up speaking, sounding, even looking like everyone else within that corporate branded identity. Same thoughts, same beliefs. I'm happy to have a relationship that is unique with my creator, to let go of long-held religious ambitions and simply live in the reality of everyday life. I simply want to walk freely in each day with an open mind to learn new things and an open heart to connect authentically with the world around me. Now, I'll come back to that in a second. I, I, I mean, this is, this is, I think, is articulated well with the people that say, I want a personal relationship with God. I believe that faith is a personal relationship with God. I believe that there's more to experience in faith and life when you have a personal relationship with God. Not a corporate identity, not a kind of thing where you're all sort of believing the same things and feeling the same things and thinking the same things. It's an individual personal relationship. You can't put God in a box like religion does. Now, the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor, who wrote kind of a massive book on the secular age, which just means uh, the age of kind of what culture and uh, the world looks like as it moves away, kind of rooted in a, a Christian or just religious tradition. He wrote uh, a large book on this that just I have not read, but I read a book that was about that book. And <laughs> that's how you know you have a big book if someone wrote a book on your book. Uh, so I read the small book about his big book and here is what here is what this author James uh, K A Smith uh, quoting Charles Taylor says um, about this and how how the individualistic kind of approach plays itself into faith. He says this: the religious life. So he's quoting Charles Taylor: the religious life or practice that I become part of must not only be my choice, but it must speak to me. It must make sense in terms of my spiritual development as I understand this. The expressivist forges her own religion or spirituality, her own personal Jesus. So when, when you kind of blend the worlds of our individualistic America, like Robert Beller speaks about, the sociologist, with faith and religion, what you get is faith is a very personal thing, a very individualistic thing. It's something to speak to me, make sense in my spiritual development. And then he says this, it becomes less and less rational to accept any external constraints so it doesn't make sense that you would have any sort of other organized things or people kind of correcting that or speaking into that if it's an individual thing. A new, a new spiritual injunction arises. Let everyone follow his or her own path of spiritual inspiration. Don't be led off yours by the allegation that it doesn't fit with some sort of orthodoxy. Carve your spiritual path because it's a personal thing. Now, I get this. If this is where you are, if this is kind of even, look, you, faith for you is a, is a very personal, individual thing, and you're here even to get closer to God and work on your personal relationship with Jesus, and that's even the, the sentiments that are expressed here, you, you would say, you, you might not say this because you're not comfortable saying it, but you say deep buried down inside, you say amen uh, to that as you, as you hear those comments. I, I get that. I grew up in the church, and I was as churched out as it gets. I was in church choirs and church Bible quiz teams and all, all sorts of church silly stuff, right? That if you have never been a part of church, you're like, that's weird. And if you're a part of church, you're like, yeah, that's great. You know, why, when are we going to start a Bible quiz team? Um, <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, actually, at the marriage class. We're gonna, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I get it. So, I mean, I was in, as church as it gets. And my parents, when I was 12, got divorced. And we, we um, kind of lived with my mom, and, and we lived in a, a different city. We kind of left the church and everything that we knew. And, and from, 12, from 12 on, I didn't have a single Christian friend. And we still went to churches, but we went to these really large churches. And, and I'm not saying anything against large churches, but we, we for us, we sat in, sat in the back row and just kind of were there on a Sunday and left. And as time went on, where church had become everything to me, and church was really my entire life, as, as time went on, I was kind of like, I don't really need this. I love God. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I survived high school, and I read my Bible, and I, I still prayed, and I, I, I loved Jesus, and I, I still had my convictions. I felt close to God. And by the time that I was kind of graduating high school, I really felt done with church. I didn't feel done with God, but I felt like I've got a personal relationship with God. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus. I want my faith to grow. I want my faith to continue to flourish. And I want to experience the life that God would have for me stronger in every area. And why do I need the church for that? 
I feel like I'm kind of getting along just fine the last several years by myself without the church. If anything, the church had hurt me more than actually helped me. That's where, that's where I felt, okay? So if any of you kind of share any of those sentiments, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not naive, I know many people do, and, and many people are often on the verge of saying, do, what, do I need any of this? Or even if you're not on the verge of that, we still often come to church with the posture of, I'm here for my relationship with God. So I, I get that. I empathize with it. I sympathize with it. I all thighsing with it, okay? All thighs, <laughs> whatever, okay. Um, I, yeah, there we go. I was, was going to say I feel your thighs, but that would be really weird. So, um, so I won't say that, okay? Um, so, so we have, don't quote that. Uh, we have a hunger for life, okay? We have a hunger for life to experience more. How, how do we get it? Here's what the Bible's answer is going to be, that, that you're just going to have to kind of decide and wrestle with, do I believe that? Do I not believe that? And, and that's okay. I want you to, I want you to, to do that, but, but the Bible's answer is we get the life that we actually want, that we hunger for, that we long for. We get that through God's church, not by ourselves, not alone. So why? Why is that the case? Why, why is it? I, I, again, I'm, I'm starting with the belief that we don't automatically have that, so I'm, we're going to just look at what Paul says here. Why is that the case? Why is it that the Bible says we desperately need the church. Why is it that the vision presented for you to experience life stronger than you have it now, that the, the, the recommendation is you need the church? Why is that? So that's what we're going to look at. And what we're doing is looking at the letter that Paul wrote to 1 Timothy, who is a pastor in the city of Ephesus. And last week we looked at just the first couple opening lines Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, this week, or I'm actually going to skip ahead right into the middle of the book uh, because this is where Paul says, here's why I wrote this letter. Paul actually says, this is the reason I wrote it. So I wanted to kind of, our second sermon, start at this place because it helps us kind of understand what the whole purpose of the whole letter is and the whole series that we'll be doing for the next several weeks. So here's what Paul says, jumping into chapter three. Paul says, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. So he, want, he wants to visit. He wants to come. He's not quite sure if he's going to get there or not. If I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Here is Paul's purpose statement for why he says he writes this letter, and it helps us to understand why it is that Paul believes, and, and all throughout the Bible, of, of what God says is we need the church to experience what he has for us. But we got to start with this, just what is the church? What is it? I mean, we, we can't really answer the question of why we so desperately need it if we don't even understand yet what it actually is. So what is the church? And, and to understand that, here, here's kind of the big picture. I've, I've already said this, but here's the big picture. God is not, God is not, according to Paul, according to the Bible, God is not mainly interested in a personal relationship with you. That's not what God is interested in. You won't find that language in the Bible. God is not mainly interested in a personal relationship with you. What God is interested in is adopting you into his family. That's what God is interested in. I mean, just imagine if you, uh, some of you came, I, I know I've talked to several of you, you came from big homes you had, uh, where there's maybe have five other siblings or six siblings. Or so. Imagine if a parent just looked at one of their children and said, look, I don't care about those others. I just want a personal relationship with you. And maybe some of you even felt like that, right? Sometimes kids do feel like that. They feel like, oh, man, my parents really loved my other brothers and sisters, but I was kind of was the middle child. I'm a middle child, so maybe that's why I'm saying that, you know. Um, and you kind of felt thrown away in some way. Uh, here is what God says, though. He says, look, yes, I love you. Yes, I care about you. Yes, I know your name, but 
my desire for you, my heart for you, is to experience so much more than just a personal relationship. What the Bible says, what Paul says, is that what he wants is to invite us into his household. And that's family language. He says, here's what the church is. Here's what faith is. Here's what relationship with God is. It is you being adopted into his family. And that's very important. God, the the Bible doesn't articulate how God relates to us as God in an individual relationship with us. It says God wants you to be a part of his household. He wants to actually say, I want you to experience more than just a personal relationship with me. I want you to experience a family that you can belong to. I want you to experience being part of a household. Now look, I I think this is so important because part of us, and I, I understand this, part of us want individuality. Very much so. Part of us wants that. We want to just kind of do things our way, pursue our goals, find our fulfillment, relate to God in our way, on our terms. But I think there's a bigger part of us. There's a bigger part of us that wants to belong to something, that wants to belong to a people, that wants to actually be accepted into a family or a group we don't always think about it in that way, but I think our souls long for belonging. And that's harder than just going about life individualistically. It's harder, which I think is part of why we actually often pursue the path of our own individuality. Because it's harder to belong to something. You don't just get to control that. You have to get access. You have to be brought into something. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do on your own by yourself. And they feel good and and they're enjoyable things, but to actually get brought into something, to belong to something, takes other people giving you access to that. Look, there's a lot of things that I would love to be a part of that I'm not. There's things and groups of people that I'm 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 not qualified for whether it's because I'm not smart enough or successful enough or whatever. I mean, there's just stuff that I'm not on the in group of. And I'm not saying like I'm a dork and unpopular. I'm just saying there's groups that's like I'm not in. That I go, well, that'd be really fun to be a part of that, but I'm not in. And I can't just show up and say, hey, I'm, I'm in today. Like, you have to be invited in to belong. I mean, I, I was sitting at a coffee shop a while back, and um, there was a, a restaurant that I knew was opening soon. And it's a restaurant that I, I love the, the chef of. Um, I've eaten at another restaurant of his. It's a great restaurant. And, and I was like, oh, man, I, I, want, I want to go to this restaurant. And, um, and the whole crew comes in. The chef and the sous chef and the sous to the sous chef, like they all, they all walk in, right? And, and they're there and they're talking about the restaurant opening and they're getting coffee. And I'm, I wanted to be like, hey guys, hey, like, what are we talking about? You know, like, are we talking about the restaurant opening? You know, and, but if I had done that, they would have just said, hey, you can eat there, right? You can pursue your um, cooking fantasies by like, or your, you know, culinary delights by eating there, but you don't belong. You're not, I mean, I don't know if they would have been this rude, but they probably would have, but they would say, you don't belong. You know, you're not on the in crowd. You can observe this, but we haven't invited you into this. I mean, this is true. With some, you, look, you can listen to music and go, man, I love that. Sometimes, look, sometimes they do this. If you, there's different shows where uh, like a bunch of, I, I remember I watched a show with like Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock, and I don't remember all the people that were, uh, I think maybe Kevin Hart, but a bunch of these comedians, and they're sitting around talking about comedy. It's like, oh man, I would love to be in that room talking with them about comedy, but I don't belong there. I'm not, I, I can watch their stand-up, I can, I can listen to it and, and partake in my own individual experience, but I'm not in the club, right? It's harder to belong to something. It's harder to get accepted into something. It's harder to be brought into something. Here is the amazing thing that Paul says about God. Paul says about God, he wants you in his family. He wants more than just a personal relationship with you. You see, you can pray to God by yourself. You can read the Bible by yourself. You can convert and believe. God wants more than that for you. God doesn't just want you to believe in him, to check off the box and convert to him. He wants you to be brought into his family. He wants to give you the access and the acceptance that you cannot get by yourself, that someone has to give to you. And God says, I want you in my household. That's way more intimate, right? I mean, to actually be brought as a part of someone's household, 
Maybe you, maybe you didn't have a great family, and, and sometimes when that happens, you have a second family, and someone actually says, hey, you are part of our family now. And you even feel, man, I was so welcome in their home. And I know not everyone has had that experience, but even just think about who's, like, if you get access to somebody's home, somebody says, you're in my family now. You're a part of this house now. That's a deeply intimate thing. And God says, I want more than just some personal relationship. I want you a part of my family. I want to give you belonging and acceptance that you cannot get by yourself. And the deeper the belonging that you have, the deeper the experience that you have of that thing. The deeper belonging you have with with God and his family, the more that you actually experience him. This is why this is so important. Look, in all things in life, the deeper sense of connectivity and belonging with the group, the more experience you have of that thing. You can, you can go by yourself and put on your favorite record, right? You can, you can turn on whoever it is that you listen to. You can, uh, you can press play and listen to Tim McGraw, or you can listen to Mumford & Sons, or you can listen to whatever, Aerosmith, I don't know, okay? Whatever you listen to. You, you can listen to that. But if you go to a concert, if you go to a concert, right? If you, I think Justin Timberlake just had a concert here, right? Justin, are you in the audience here? Or it's coming up? Okay, it's coming up. It's coming up. See, some people are going. And here's why. Here's why, because there's a difference between listening, you know, putting, putting your headphones in and just jamming out to, to Justin Timberlake, right? There's a difference between that and, and actually going to the concert with other people. And there's a sense of belonging that's created. And Justin's shouting out, say something, say something. And you're like, yeah, right? And if you're not a Justin fan, you're like, what? And if you are a Justin fan, you're like, he butchered that, right? And that's okay. But there's a deeper sense of belonging that takes place in a group. Or for those of you that like the Broncos or the Nuggets or whoever, the Avalanche, right? There's a deeper sense of belonging going to a game with everybody else that's cheering and a part of it because you feel connected and the experience is therefore deeper. The more that you are connected, the more that you belong, the more the experience is rich and filled out. The same thing is true with God. God, in this passage, what Paul says, it's the church of the living God. It's the church of the living God. And what he is saying there is this, you want to experience the presence of God? You want to know that God is alive and he's present and he's work. You want to actually feel the living God. That comes through being with his people because the more connected you are to his church, the more that you experience the God who is life and actually alive versus just a book or a passage that you're, that you're reading. This is what Paul says. And this is, again, this is why this is so important because even the comments that the, the author from Huffington Post, I think it's really interesting. He says, religion puts God in a box and I want to experience more of God. What Paul would say, what the Bible actually says, is it's the reverse. By your, I, mean, and I, I feel like this is just logical. Think about by yourself, you only God can only be in a box because it's just your individual experience of who He is. By yourself, there's only certain limits that you can know of who God is, that you can experience of who God is. It takes a family to actually experience. That's who the living God is. By myself, I have a limited perspective of God. I can see certain things of God. By myself, I can only experience parts of who he is. But the deeper the belonging, the deeper the experience of who this God is. This is important. This is important because even if you're here today, even if you say, look, I'm not on the list of people that don't go to church. I'm here. But still, we can approach church with, I'm here to get fed I'm here to grow closer to God. I'm here for my faith. I'm here for me. C.S. Lewis has a book called The Screwtape Letters, which is a great book if you haven't read it. And uh, he, he writes about, The Screwtape Letters is one kind of older demon, fictional book, uh, one older demon writing to a younger demon in training and teaching him kind of how to be a good demon, right? So if you've ever wanted to know how to do that, this is the book for you. And, and he's talking to him about church. And he's talking to him about, look, try to get someone not to go to church, but if you can't get them not to go to church, here's the next best thing. It's to get that person to have a very individualistic approach to church. Here, here's what he says. He says, surely you know 
that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. C.S. Lewis wrote this decades ago. I feel like this basically just describes 2018, 19. I mean, this is, this is what people do. We have words for this, right? Church shopping, and, and this is what people do. And here's where this comes from. The individualistic, here's what church is, here's what faith is, here's what God is. It's a personal relationship. And so what I need to do is find the things that suit my personal tastes, that fulfill me individually, that work for me, that speak to me, that feed me. Sometimes what we even do with church is we, we say, look, I, I know it needs to be even more than me. I know it needs to have kind of other people in it. But what we do is say, so, but you know what? I don't need organized religion. I'll just kind of grab my friends and we'll form our own thing. But here, here's the danger of that. You are picking the people. So again, it becomes just a reflection of yourself. Whereas if you were to go down the aisles of this room, you're going to find a bunch of people very different from you. People that make different amounts of money, people that look differently than you, people that have different backgrounds than you, people you don't click with, people that annoy you. That's what you're going to find. And that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a bunch of people that are not self-selected and just a reflection of yourself. It's supposed to be a group of people that come together that are very different. Different experiences, different beliefs, different backgrounds, different, different hurts, different dreams and goals and skin colors and, and, and uh, economic kind of standing that come together and say, I might not have picked you, but I can actually become more by knowing who God is through you. So all of that is to say this. What is the church? What is faith? Well, here's what it is. It's so much more than just a personal relationship. It's a family. It's a family where you become more than you are because you see more of who he is. It's a place that you become different and you become changed. Because you are encountering the living God through his people. That's what the church is. That's why it's so important. You actually get a new identity. It is a corporate identity of a family you belong to and in the church. It isn't just that you get a new identity, but you get a new and deeper sense of purpose. Paul lays this out here. What purpose is it that God gives to us in the church? And here's why this matters. We want purpose in life. Right? I mean, you want to feel a deep sense of purpose in your life. You want to feel that your life matters. You want to feel that your life counts. I know I do. I mean, we, we all want that, right? We want to feel that we're a part of something bigger. Maybe you even articulate that if you're a Christian. I want to know what God's will is for my life and do that and connect to that. And listen, God wants that for you. God wants you to experience deep purpose in your life. God wants you to experience all that he has for you and for your life to have rich and deep meaning. God wants that for you. That's not just something that you desire or want kind of when you're you know, in, in, the, in, in the throes of whatever kind of mood overtakes you where you feel like, man, I want something bigger than this. It's not just that. God wants that for you. And the way that we get that is by thinking less of how can I make a difference? What's my legacy? What's my calling? How can I follow God's will? It's more connecting to what God's purpose is for his church. You see, Christianity and faith and life with God is a team sport, if you want to use a sports analogy. It's a team sport. God isn't interested just in giving each individual person, here's your, here's your purpose for your life, here's your purpose, here's your purpose. What God does is say, I have a purpose for my family. I have a purpose for my team. I have a purpose that you can discover your purpose and your calling by connecting to that one. Here's, here's what Paul says. Here, here's how he describes what this calling is. He says that the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth that is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And he's using this architectural imagery. And if any of you are engineers or architects, you know how important the foundation is. A foundation, without a foundation, everything crumbles. 
And he says the church, God's family, God's household is the foundation of the truth. That without it, the truth will be no more. That's an important calling to have. To say, you want to know what your calling is? You know what the purpose of your life? You want to connect to something bigger? You, when you are part of the church, are actually a part of keeping the truth around. Of keeping it stable. And the truth is the truth of who God is and what he's done for people. It's not just truth in general, like two plus two is four. It's the truth of who God is. Of what God has done. And it's not just that it's a foundation. It is a pillar. It's a pillar. And the image of a pillar is very important, especially in the ancient world. Uh, During this time when this would have been written into the city of Ephesus, there was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, which was the temple of Artemis or Diana. Same thing. And the temple of Diana was this giant temple. And part of the purpose of the pillars, which Paul says the church is the pillar of truth, part of the purpose of the pillars, it it wasn't just the foundation is to actually hold the structure up. The pillars are to hold the roof up, but it's also to thrust the entire thing up so that for miles around it can be seen. See, the the function of pillars is is to raise the roof and show everybody, here is this thing. Look how important, look how magnificent. Let your lives be governed by, ruled by. Let your thoughts and decisions see this and remember the God, Artemis. Remember who this person is in your life. See, the closest thing that I could think of 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 this today, we, we, we do have some of these kind of structures, but it doesn't function in the exact same way. Probably the closest thing is something like the Statue of Liberty, something that is held up like a pillar, something that's held up for the whole city to see. That when people see, they say, ah, I remember. And you can read reflections online, uh, on the internet. You can, you can read reflections of immigrants that came to America, that came to Ellis Island. And when they saw the Statue of Liberty, the joy, knowing, okay, I knew everything would be okay. And they shouted and they danced and they would say, we see the lady, we see the lady. And they'd heard about it, and they were filled with this joy and excitement, knowing life would be different, a life that represents liberty and freedom, held out for all. See, that is what the temple functioned as. That is what the function of pillars is. And here's what Paul says. You know what purpose God gives to you? He gives the church the purpose to be a part of being a foundation of the truth and the function of being a pillar of the truth to hold up, to live in such a way, to be the kind of community that people see and say, we see, we see who God is. You see, what God wants to happen is for the whole world, he wants his truth to be held high. God wants the truth that he rescues people and saves people. God wants the truth that he adopts people into his family. God wants the truth of who he is and what he's come to do, that he is a loving God, a saving God, a God that we can put our hope in, a God that is for us. He wants that truth to be lifted and seen, not just kind of written and believed. He wants it to be lifted high so that it's actually a controlling thing in our life to say, I see the truth of who Jesus is. This is the purpose that God actually gives to us in being a part of The church, listen, you can have a private spirituality by yourself. You can have an experience of God by yourself. You can learn some things about God. You can can read some things about God. You can pray some things to God by yourself. But you can't connect to this by yourself. You can't connect to being a pillar of truth by yourself. You can't connect to being the foundation of, you can't connect to actually holding up the reality of who God is and what he's done by yourself, Paul says, and the Bible says, all throughout. This is what God has for you. See, a living God creates a living family with a calling, with a purpose to bring this life, this truth to others. Here's the final question that I want us to think about which is how do we live this out then in the church? If the church is God's family, if faith and Christianity is more than just a private relationship, but it's actually being accepted into God's household. And he, he gives that household this beautiful calling of showing the world his truth of who he is, 
How do we actually live that out in the church? How, how, do, how do I connect to that? And here's what Paul says. He says it comes as we are a part of a different kind of community. It comes as we function and live as a different kind of community. Here's, here's how he says it. He says, I've written so you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. See, he tells us who we are, we're God's household. He tells us what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about being this pillar and foundation of truth. And he says how that comes about, which is by the way that we conduct ourselves. He says, I've written so you will know how you ought to conduct yourselves. Why? Because you're a part of God's family. Why is that? Because you're a part of showing the truth. So how do we actually do that? It comes as we conduct ourselves in a different kind of Away. See, here's what this means. We show the truth of God being a loving God by being a loving people, not just by being a loving person. We show the truth of who God is by being a forgiving people. We show the truth that God is somebody that is gracious by being gracious. We show the truth that God is somebody that serves and cares to meet people's practical needs by being a community that serves and meet people's practical needs. We show the truth that God is one that welcomes people and is hospitable by being a community that welcomes people and is hospitable. We show that God is one that does not disdain weakness but cares for weakness by being the kind of community that does not disdain weakness but welcomes those that are struggling and suffering. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you're a different kind of family because you have a different kind of God. And the way that we live out our purpose as the church is by the way we live our lives. That kids will always look like what their parents look like. The family will always represent what the, in this, I mean the father and mother, but in this, what the father is like. And that's a scary thing for those of you that have kids. You start to hear your kids say certain things, you know, like we, we have uh, our, our kids, we try to, I'm not saying we do this with everything, but we try to have a little bit of kind of a natural consequences approach to a lot of things. So if our kids say, hey, I don't want to wear a coat, even though it's freezing outside, be like, okay, that's, that's your choice. Instead of saying like, no, you must put on a coat and it has to have this much, you know, down in it or whatever. Like we, we try to, hey, it's your choice, you know. And we do that with a lot of things. But the other day I heard my son and he was, he was talking to his sister and he was saying, hey, that's your choice. That's your choice. If that's what you want to do. That's your choice. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, is that what I sound like? You know, just wait till he starts, you know, being in here and listening to me preach. And I'm gonna be like, oh, gosh, you know, stop singing Justin Timberlake. Um, but you're, you're, you, the, the kids always look like a reflection of what the father is. And Paul is saying, look, your conduct matters because it shows who God is. Your conduct matters. If you want to be a part of showing the truth of who God is and what he's done, that gets lived out in a community. So it really, really matters. This is, look, this is so important because how you live really matters. But it matters not just because God is concerned with your morality. It matters because it shows something of what God is like. Your obedience, your conduct in God's family is not just because God is the morality police trying to make sure everyone is doing exactly what he says. It's because it shows what he's like or shows falsely what he is like. So God really cares. Our conduct that Paul says, the reason he writes is for our conduct is about so much more than just us. And this is important. Paul says, the reason I write this letter is to shape the conduct of the church. You know why? Because on our own, on our own, we don't do this. By ourselves, this is again why it's so important to think about what God wants to do in your life and how it comes through the church. On our own, on our own, we do what we want to do. We consider, we evaluate, we curate, but on our own, we just do what we want to do. At the end of the day, Paul says, I'm writing this to you so that your conduct is changed and different. I'm writing this to the church because God cares about your conduct. This is so important because on our own, we are blind. We don't see things accurately. 
on our own. We don't feel things accurately. Our hearts deceive us. We don't think through things accurately. We can be foolish. We can make excuses for ourselves on our own. I know I do it by myself. On our own, we never are able to fully experience what God had. Look, on your own, you're going to wrestle with doubt and never experience deeper faith. I'm not saying it's bad to wrestle with doubt. I'm saying that God wants, I want, I'm saying God wants you to experience something on the other side of it. But on your own, on your own, you're going to suffer and go, man, I don't know if I hear God. And you need a friend to come alongside you and to speak that then shapes your conduct. On your own, you may grow bitter and resentful and you need a friend to come alongside you and remind you who God is and what he's done so that your conduct is shaped and thus your life is shaped. I know it's hard to have people speak into our lives. It's a lot easier in some ways to have an individual personal faith that nobody can touch, that no one can affect, that is just me and God. And to kind of say, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to put God in a box, even though that's what we're actually doing when it's by ourselves. See, God wants something richer for you and more full for you. He wants you to experience more than you can of him by yourself. That is what he desires for you to have, for all of us to have. Often we want our faith to just be a private thing, a personal thing, to not have anyone touch it or affect it. I mean, look, just ask yourself this. When people try to speak into your life on something, if someone tries to offer correction to something, is your response, this is my relationship with God. Faith's a deeply personal thing to me. This is something between me and God. Paul says it's not. He says, I write this so that you would know how to conduct yourselves in God's family. Because in God's family, it shows what God is like. And God's purpose that he wants to give all of us is to show the truth of who he is. He wants your life to be radically changed and radically different that reflects him. Where does this come from? Where, where, where do we actually get the ability to experience this and live this out, what Paul says is the same truth that we are to reflect is the same truth that we need. And and that's where he ends with this. The mystery of godliness is great. The mystery of how you can conduct yourself in this way, the mystery of how you can live a godly life, he says, isn't just try it harder, do it better. He says, here's the mystery of it. Here's how you actually get this conduct. It comes as you see and reflect on the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. And he gives this, uh, scholars, commentators will tell you this is a a hymn, an old ancient hymn. And talking about Jesus, it says, he was manifested in the flesh. He came to this world as a human. He was vindicated in the spirit. Talking about he resurrected. The Holy Spirit brought Jesus to resurrection life, showing everything he said and everything he did was true. He was seen by angels. I mean, all throughout Jesus' life, both in the birth announcement and his resurrection and as he ascended, He was preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory, saying he still reigns, he's still king, and things are happening with him in control. Here's what he says. How do you get this different kind of conduct? How do we become this different kind of people? It's seeing who he is and what he's done for us that shapes us, that changes us, that we see him as king and say, okay, I can trust him. We see him as one that would come to this world and sacrifice for us and go, okay, I know, he, I know he wants good for me. I can follow him. I can obey him. We see his grace and his vindication by the Spirit that he has resurrection power and say, okay, I can entrust my life to him. And godliness flows out of that. And a different community is created. And God's truth of who he is and what he's done is seen. So here's what this means. Here's what this means. Here's what we want for you. Here's what I want for you. Here's what this all means. You need the church, not just God, because God is present in his church. You need to be a part of a church, not because it's the right thing to do or so that you can write home and tell your mom, hey, I joined a church finally. Not, Not because of that, but because God says, here is where I give you family, a new identity. Here is where I give you purpose. Here is where I shape your life and transform you to have a different kind of conduct. That's why you need it. 
So for some of you, maybe that means joining a community group or joining one of our smaller groups, our LTGs. Or some of you, that means becoming a member. You heard Sarah talk about our membership class coming up. But whatever it means for you, it means God wants to give you a church, not just a personal relationship. And to then let that influence you, to see yourself as an intimately connected part of a family, not just an individual. Imagine what happens with that, where it's not just you and God, but a family that you actually get to be a part of. Imagine who you could see God to be through others. The deeper, the deeper the belonging, the deeper the experience. That's what God desires for you. And when we take communion, what we remember is what he did for us to give us his family. And what he wants for us, what he gives to us, that Jesus would come to this earth and have his body broken, have his blood shed to give us more than just himself, but to give us a family, to give us a purpose to give us all of that. So when we take communion, that's what we remember. We celebrate when we sing songs. We remember that God unites us together. We take from the same bread and the same juice to remember this is the God that gives us family and belonging. And he says, you need that. You have a hunger for life. You have a deep hunger for life. You want life to be more. Jesus says, I give you my church. Find out what that could do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace to us. I thank you that we call you our Father, even Jesus, as you taught us to pray. You did not teach us to pray, my Father. You taught us to pray, our Father, because you are our God and we are in your family. And I thank you that we can pray those things, that you are not just a person that we have relationship with. You are a father of a family. So I thank you for this, God. I pray that you would help each of us to know what it means to belong, to be a part of a family. Help us, God, as a church to be a a foundation and pillar of truth that we can show this city, this neighborhood, our friends, our family, who you are and what you've come to do. Let this truth now go deeper into our hearts, Jesus. Amen.